Welcome to the Indian Silicon Valley podcast. I'm your host Jivraj Singh Sachar and today we understand the power of community building from the extravagant Utkash Amitab, founder and CEO of Network Capital. Network Capital is one of the largest global networks consisting of professionals, students and all kinds of enthusiasts. Network Capital is built upon the core principles of collaboration and effective storytelling. Designed for scale, Network Capital has a chapter in almost all countries of the world. Utkarsh built Network Capital as a passion project while he was still working at Microsoft out of business school. Years later, as he realized the potential and power of the community he had built he left microsoft and took network capital as a full time role leading it to become the netflix for careers as he likes to call it utkarsh is a youthful magnificent gentleman who is self aware and who is extremely learned and knowledgeable over the years he has won multiple laureates authored a best selling book by the name of the seductive illusion of hard work written columns for the Harvard Business Review the mint and spoken at multiple prestigious platforms but what stands out is the intent behind his actions and his strong sense of why utkarsh pursues strong business models and on the ground impact which makes the man stand out I had a beautiful couple of minutes talking to the man in this episode. Tune in and hear for yourself from Utkarsh Amitab as he elucidates on the power of community building. This episode is brought to you in association with the Innovation and Entrepreneurship Cell (SOA), deemed to be university. Without further ado, I would like to invite Mr. Utkarsh Amitab to join me for the show. Absolutely glad to have you on the show, Utkarsh. Thank you for joining me. It is my pleasure, Jivraj. Wonderful. So, Utkarsh, before we get started, it'll be interesting to know how you think the Indian startup ecosystem has shaped since you started with Network Capital, and what lies ahead for all budding entrepreneurs out there. You know, I'm personally. Um, inspired by what i like to call the passion economy where uh, creators such as yourself are doing really interesting things and are figuring out ways to make a living uh and i feel that uh, the indian skilling startup and uh, the larger employability space is going to be composed of a lot of passion economy enthusiasts and creative entrepreneurs such as yourself So network capital also um I started it when I was uh, at Microsoft largely as a as a passion project to help uh, students and young professionals who were seeking advice for higher studies good jobs um career transitions etc um just as a as a thing that I said that uh, it should exist it just scaled a lot more than I thought um and eventually now it has become my 
full-time venture. But I started with the idea of solving a real problem. So I am such a person that I don't really care about who funded who or who raised from who. For me, whose problem are you solving? Are you able to make a tangible impact? And in the process, can you make a profitable business model? These things are really important to me. And I, I think that uh, passion economy enthusiasts such as yourself are the future of, uh, of the system. A lot of these, you know, a lot of the hype in the ecosystem that exists is uh, essentially what I call the VC to C model, like venture capital to the consumer. And I think at some point we will have to see the emergence of people who are building, you know, strong unit economics uh, businesses, which I see a lot of Indian do. But the challenge is that in India to really solve a problem, you need to achieve scale and uh, have, you know, an impact doing so. So I'm, I'm excited by uh, the Indian ecosystem shaping up, keeping the right metrics in mind. Because who raised what from who is immaterial if you can't have an impact on the person on the ground. So there's lots to look forward to and there's lots to be cautious about. Absolutely. You painted quite a different picture and prescriptive picture of what the startup ecosystem beholds because there are always these headlines that intimidate sometimes and also attract that this startup got funded by so many million and so on and so forth. But it's great to see how a passion project has led to one of the largest collaborative networks for mentorship out there. So cheers to that. Moving on uh, to network capital, the fact that you've been able to bring such great people from all across sectors in one platform to form a collaborative space is an achievement in and of itself. Can you tell us uh, the nuances of your journey and how were you able to manage to get such great people in a common space without any prejudice of any kind or competition as they might call it? I, I feel that uh, the core of any company must come down to its mission and uh, I, I mean, you know, because I have such an aversion to, you know, to to hollow business models that don't make sense. So I was very skeptical of, uh, you know, taking money quickly. Look, I have, a, uh, I have a decent looking CV, like NCR, Oxford, Microsoft, Harvard Business Review, what have you. So, I mean, raising some money is not particularly hard, right. but there is a reason why I resisted the temptation, even when I could easily, like I did have a few conversations here and there with VCs, but it was never like, you know, I need the money, otherwise I can't business, build the business. My thesis has always been, how do I scale this without any external capital to an extent that it is profitable, making an impact without any constraints? And you know, that is the biggest power of a strong story. It's like network capital uh, is essentially the power of great storytelling that uh, coupled with the right design principle. And if you look at the network capital product, so the network capital product is essentially networkcapital.tv, which is what we call Netflix for careers. We have the world's best career content. We have an amazing algorithm that helps people navigate. But the product came after the community. You know, once we had the community, once we had established the business model, once we had done everything, then we built the product. Because, you know, I mean, I, to me, uh, you know, the goal of what gives me meaning and satisfaction is very different. So I'm very obsessed with uh, like the impact on the ground that I can see. 
Um, so that's the way I built it. So the product part of it came all through after thinking about the insights that I got uh, from community members uh, um, from all around the world. And the product that you can observe now is a result of the community. So if you look at the podcast, community propelled the uh, product. Community helped us discover the business model, the subscription base, which we call Netflix for careers. And the community is essentially what scaled it. Because, you know, for the longest time in the network capital journey, I had a full-fledged, very busy job at Microsoft. So it is the all credit for this growth needs to go to the community. Absolutely. And starting from that itself, it's not very easy to actually build communities around any product, let alone a product that does not have any monetary incentive to begin with. But to just lie on core principles such as collaboration, you were able to scale a community that has gone beyond a country to mix and match people from all across borders and provide best-in-class mentorship. Jivraj, again, it has gone to 104 countries and it went there very quickly because this idea is not a particularly Indian idea or an American idea. This is a human idea. So you, there are network capital chapters literally in ev almost every country in the world. And this has been the case from the beginning because I knew when an Israeli soldier mentors a Palestinian student or an, a Palestinian entrepreneur um, helps out uh, a Syrian refugee, you, that kind of story has no substitute. So I wanted to scale these stories and that is in itself uh, has held the community and company in good stead. I started it so that these stories could become more mainstream. It just like, um, so it helps to have a clear design principle in mind and the rest takes care of itself. That is very, very true. And we can see the results of it on ground with the intent that you began with. Uh, what I was trying to understand is for everybody who's listening, uh, if you had to give up some cues as to how a founder can develop products and build communities around the product, uh, what would be some of your cues to actually build a framework towards building a community? I would say that if you want to do uh, build any kind of community, First, build your category of one. Identify what is it that you can do uniquely very well. Second, is that once you have figured some stuff out and figured out what makes you tick and what energizes you and what you're really good at, uh, find thousand people who really resonate with you. Because you know, Jivraj, uh, for people to uh, build a profitable software business or a content business, you don't need 1 million or 100 million users. As long as you just have 1,000 true fans, you can build a reasonable business. Look, 1,000 fans at $10 a month, that's $10,000. That's roughly 8 lakh rupees. That's basically in India, it's one crore. And these kind of businesses typically are decently profitable. So suppose, like hypothetically, if a 24, 25 year old is able to get 1000 fans, that person will do very well financially. Most importantly, uh, that person will have a lot of meaning doing so. So that, that like understanding that you don't need trillions and millions of people to begin with, don't obsess over scale from the beginning. And the third is, but design for scale. And I, and I learned this studying a lot of, uh, I read a lot, Jivraj. So I, uh, I learned this actually from uh, a meeting that I had uh, 
with Nandan Nilakani and a few other uh, folks um, when they were talking about uh, identity and how they had built for scale from the beginning. I learned the same thing during uh, Davos from Bill Gates when he was talking about a different identity project. And I learned it also from Satya Nadella, who I worked with uh, on some instances in Microsoft, where when we had to scale a certain kind of a product, what kind of design principles were involved? So when you combine all of them, you will be able to build a th thriving community. But please steer clear from competition, because as Peter Thiel rightly says, competition is for losers. Absolutely. Competition is definitely for losers. I mean, that framework in and of itself uh, with the learnings from such great entrepreneurs is a one of a kind way to actually approach community building because it paves the way to start small but design for the long term and run a marathon instead of uh, thinking short term. So uh, great cue from that Utkarsh. Moving on to something very unique. Uh, I'm sure in your journey, you've met across several founders, be it in the mentoring space, or as you mentioned, some really big names in terms of Satya Nadella, Nandan Nilkani. So uh, can you tell us uh, a couple of factors that you've observed in founders uh, that you think actually contribute to a certain set of foresight that actually goes on to build great products? I believe that from my time at Microsoft, I have had the privilege of working um, directly with uh, the CEO of Microsoft, Satya Nadella, the president, Jean-Philippe, obviously not on a day-to-day -day basis, but occasionally as in when they needed help. Uh, and of course, many leaders uh, in India and uh, Europe and US. What I've learned from all of them is that, um, especially Satya Jean-Philippe, um, who I saw, I, I learned that the combination of energy, clarity, uh, and empathy can help change the course of large companies as well as large countries. So think of uh, Microsoft and companies or like Microsoft, both as companies as well as countries. Look at any parameter, look at, you know, market cap, GDP, like, you know, like there are lots of parallels between them. So I joined Microsoft right after uh, my MBA at INSEAD uh, in 2014. In, and that's also when Satya Nadella joined, uh, no correlation obviously, but uh, uh, Satya uh, has really transformed the company from you know, being what it was, uh, a fading giant with a stock price of $30. You know, forget the stock price, it has like perhaps gone 10 times. But the real beauty of Microsoft's uh, transformation has been the transformation of culture and the learning of... Uh, uh, or unlearning process that is so important for institutions, communities, people to do. So I learned a lot from uh, seeing that. And Satya talked about energy and clarity. I added the third element of uh, empathy. Um, it was so, like, it, it, it became a design principle also for network capital. And what I, uh, the way it helped me was that uh, when you, design or build something keeping empathy as a core principle it is just built for scale and i've had many conversations with uh, uh you know with um, entrepreneurs uh, uh bill gates nandan nilakani satya nadella and all of their writings and readings and some of those projects that uh, uh, that they have shaped they keep emphasizing the importance of designing and building for scale but for creators, for young people starting up, I don't want them to be intimidated by scale. 
so design for scale but uh, build it out like find thousand and other things will uh, will take its shape one of my mentors once uh, once told me that you should um, think big act small right like you know life is a series of micro actions that you take and uh, a mental model that many of your listeners can keep in mind is the power of compounding that how is it that they can enable themselves and their communities to become 1% better every day and uh, if you're designing for scale and getting 1% better you will end up building that billion or trillion dollar company that means so much to people energy clarity and empathy that sums it up in the most perfect manner i could imagine and it's also great to understand that you know experience of any kind and especially while you're at a professional space matters and if you can observe the little things irrespective of what your profile is and what your contribution to the organization is you can actually end up taking a lot of it and applying a lot of it in your own organization if you happen to build so moving on to so network capital in its essence uh, has the concept of networking to a certain extent as well and it actually becomes a daunting issue sometimes when young professionals uh, see serial entrepreneurs getting funded when they hear about pitch decks only preferring those that have subsequent uh, contacts or connections in the industry so can you probably shed light as to how important is it to create a personal brand for instance or have a network for yourself as a co-founder of a particular startup sure so i'll tell you my perspective there are differing opinions on this so the first is that uh, if you're ever in that space where uh, where your future depends on who you know you're in the wrong space so i would say that people should it should be the other way around where you're doing very interesting things and people come to you and i very strongly believe jivraj that every single person in the world has something very unique to learn and something unique to share that is the founding pillar of network capital uh, i learned in one of my pre mba internships at gramin bank that a beggar in bangladesh was being trained as a salesperson uh, in a project funded by a big yogurt company in france and how they had collaborated to become a new business model so the ceo of that big yogurt company was learning a ton from a beggar on the streets in dhaka that is itself is such a powerful example so when i meet that as a design principle right i so what i tell everybody is that instead of randomly running around people and you know hobnobbing here and there you should try and identify what you're great at and then do interesting things networking is often uh, misunderstood as i was explaining in my previous answer with uh, you know with the energy clarity and empathy bit um you you become a function of the five people you spend most of your time with so the best way to network is to surround yourself with uh, people you admire diverse set of people um and also figure out unique values to add to them so one way of looking at networking is the relationship of taking what do i want from him what do i want from her the other aspect like how do i add unique value to the other person um so i feel that uh, networking is a lot about giving and i'd like to call it uh, contribution capital the more you make others successful the stronger your network becomes i think um 
by virtue of places where I've studied and worked, uh, I have gotten a good network. But uh, I, not everybody who goes to these places and works at these places has that network. So what I think works well for me is that the single metric that I ask myself or measure myself on every day is how many people did I help? How many people did I um, enable to achieve their dreams? And, you know, as a byproduct of that, I have realized that now over, uh, over several years, my network has become really strong. So it is not because of uh, my affiliations, although that definitely helps where you study and where you work, but uh, it comes down to how much unique value you can add to other people and how many success stories can you enable, can you empower. I think that you, through your podcast, you're hopefully going to inspire many stories. And this is honestly also your best networking tool because uh, the best way to network is to contribute to others and also to do interesting things because I want to network with you is a ridiculous thing to say to anybody. It just means nothing or let's network. I don't want to network with anybody. I'm happy to have a conversation if there is a meeting of mine, then hopefully something good will come out, come out of it. But I mean, it's not about hobnobbing. It's not about meeting random people or sending cold emails. Somebody should do that. And at different points, people need to, but that is not what networking is. That is what you call phishing. There's a big difference between phishing and networking. Networking is equal to adding value. Simple. Definitely. I think again, that sums up quite briefly as to what networking means, because most of it has to be very organic in nature. It cannot be a forced or you cannot manipulate your way through creating connections. If you can add value to somebody else's perspective, somebody else's life, somebody else's story, I think a large part of it gets done. And you've been really kind to say the great words about, you know, how to go about networking. So cheers about that. Cheers to your podcast. Just help others. Like now you're 21. Um, I am close to 29, 30. And the next step is to have an 11 year old do a podcast. Uh, so you should enable that as well. So you should take this message to schools as well. What I'm really pained by is, uh, you know, Network Capital is a partner of Government of India's uh, Niti Aayog Atal Innovation Mission. And I see a lot of uh, school students under enormous, in, insane pressure to learn uh, advanced math and this and that at the age of three or four. FOMO cannot be a career strategy or any strategy. So I want kids to learn how to add value to others and do so in their own way. Learning advanced math or some computers at two years of age can help, but that is definitely not the recipe for every single person, especially if you are going to be fed FOMO. So instead, I would much rather see have, see kids do different kinds of things. Those who want to learn coding should learn coding. Those who want to build a podcast should build a podcast. Those who want to you know, write a novel should do so as long as they are building their category of one. Very, very true. That goes to show simply that technical skills can be learned in life. But what cannot be is the attitude and the intent to actually add value to the ecosystem in any way you want to and in whatever niche you might be working in, in the category of one, as you put it. That was wonderful, yeah. Uh, uh, Going on to something again, uh, 
less spoken of but glorified in some ways everybody talks about failure stories once they have a success story but uh, often the failures get forgotten during the journey and they're not highlighted as often so i'm sure you must have either come across or faced uh, setbacks yourself that have shaped your personality in a way like none other so if you'd like to reflect upon certain uh, setbacks from your life or certain failures that you have seen failure stories that have turned into successes that would be really interesting to understand yeah so um as i told you i don't really care about like you know hollow metrics and funding numbers and this and that i care about uh, people on the ground so uh, i studied failure uh, to write my book one one aspect of my book is basically how do you really fail and what is the difference between um a person or a student or who quote unquote has failed versus not so in fact uh, there is a lot of data available on this exact question it is not the henry ford quote that entrepreneurs love to share on twitter and all of that there is a lot of hard data available and we also hosted these professors on our podcast benjamin jones and dashin young uh and they found that uh, the difference between on average a successful person or a successful professional um and somebody who's not able to do so is essentially the number of time you're willing to try and uh, what happens is that uh, uh if you look at people who 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 achieved extraordinary results in any discipline this is not restricted to tech entrepreneurship or any other other thing of that sort um it comes down to the fact that are you able to sort of uh, take some of your failures learn from them and move forward which is called the fail forward strategy so i love ray dalio's mental model which is pain plus reflection equal to progress because that in a way does sum up that research uh, of that professor we hosted on network capital benjamin jones he explained to me so it's what happens that every failure sort of sets you back and if you're not able to overcome it it just like you don't fail because of lack of talent you fail because you flip the coin fewer times so the if you want to succeed keep flipping it is not a motivational quote it is a well documented case study uh, anybody interested can google benjamin jones network capital like they'll get that link it's a beautiful podcast i mean it gave me so much hope uh, that uh, failure and successes they're both journeys and uh, nobody should feel threatened intimidated or like a big success or a big failure it's like an ongoing journey where uh, the pleasure is the pursuit or the pursuit is the pleasure and i think that's what i want people to take away that these things are all destinations you never really arrive right when i thought that i'll get into uh, you know a top mba program i'll be very happy then i thought okay when i get into this company i'll be very happy then i'll get this award then i'll be happy then i'll be writing a book then i'll be happy then i'll publish my harvard business review then something will happen so this life deferment plan is a is not the smartest idea in fact if you're not enjoying your day to day and if you're not finding meaning and pleasure in that it's not because you're a loser it's perhaps because you're doing the doing something wrong you're flipping the coins in the wrong direction find your direction and keep flipping the coins and don't waste your time too much on on failure but if you fail remember ray dalio pain plus reflection equal to progress 
that is commendable Tisha. and they say that hope is a powerful thing and you've testified to that in the best words possible so cheers to that and uh, it's great to hear how we can actually accept and you know focus on the larger purpose instead of the smaller bits that may or may not get fulfilled due to the series of events which are influenced by external factors what we can control is our internal drive which should never stop so moving on yeah. uh, to a couple of concluding questions of Karsh. Uh, when we talk about success, and you mentioned it in a very, very great manner, and this really daunts uh, young entrepreneurs again, that I'm going to build a 10-figure company, I'm going to get funded by so-and-so VC, I'm going to get... Uh, why? why? I mean, I'll just say why I'll ask that person why. Yeah. I mean, I don't care about 10 figures or 20 figures. I, I'll just ask people, like you, like that number should be a byproduct. Exactly. By the way, that 10 figure is not really 10 figure. It is not really coming to your account. So also know yeah. that. But I also I think that people don't know that. People right. think that, you know, like getting $2 million or $20 million means that the entrepreneur, somebody has kept that money in the bank for that person to party. That's not exactly what, what that means. But unfortunately, many people think that. I, I kid you not. Just yesterday, somebody who was watching the IPL, uh, was telling me that a Bollywood figure owned an edtech company. I said, how would you even think so? Then that person said that that person is doing an advertisement. I said, wow, that is, uh, and this person is like, this person is very sharp. So, I mean, he was just not aware. So I think there also is need to demystify this figure and the VC space. Look, I think for those who are driven by uh, venture capitals, money or raising X dollars or Y dollars, I'm not sure what their goal is, but I doubt their motivation will be able to uh, build an institution that lasts, right? Like they are, they are like fireflies, like they'll stay for two minutes and then be forgotten. But if you want to build an institution, you want to, you have to have a very different mindset where the mindset needs to be driven or motivated by the mission. I'm firmly uh, of the belief the 21st century entrepreneurship especially the ones that will change the world will will be the entrepreneurship on the ground where people are doing interesting things using the technology tools to scale them and uh, i really hope that 10 figure or 20 figure or this vc or that vc uh, is not the motivation of anybody school students college students like you know people mm -hmm. older than me younger than me if you're listening like i would say solve a problem money will come money will chase you let's not money let money not become your bottleneck exactly exactly and because as an entrepreneur if you're dedicating five to ten years of your life at a minimum to a product that you're building and your only motivation is money i doubt they'll keep you in it for very long also that's factually wrong i mean, I mean you do i hope your listeners understand what i'm trying to say sure. listeners you know, somebody raising $5 million or $50 million is, does not mean that that $5 million comes into the founder's account. It's something that comes with a lots of terms and conditions that is contingent on a wide range of things. And uh, it is not what the media makes it sound like. Getting funding and making a company successful and solving a problem on the ground, they are different things. And I think before you take the entrepreneurial plunge, it'll take you two hours of work but just simple Google will tell you the difference. And I hope all of you start having done this basic due diligence.
Absolutely. If you don't know your fundamentals well, it's no point entering the system. Uh, but it'd be interesting to yeah. know, Kash, that with the ideals that you have and the kind of experience uh, that has been really, really inspiring. Oh, how do you define success? Like, what is your metric to actually understand what success means? Because we're all chasing a certain sense of satisfaction or power or success. So how do you define those earthly terms that people don't really understand that well, given that, you know, if you can shed some light from your personal stories, that would be really interesting to understand. Yeah. You know, I think, um, let me just tell you uh, the network capital case study. I it started network capital uh, 1.0 was uh, a simple, you know, a, a basic matching form, right? Like these are the table of mentors. These are tables of mentees. Let's just match them and they'll help each other. Uh, it, it scaled to some extent, but the bottleneck was that one-to-one mentorship doesn't work because it is contingent on too many things. How much time did we take to pick, pick this podcast? There are challenges, right? Like that happens. So one-on-one mentorship had genuine challenges to scale, which I realized early on. Version 2.2 was what you called a, a marketplace for mentorship, where people can essentially connect with each other as long as they have something specific to ask. Um, the third version of it was the discovery of the business model that let's not advertise and sell and create FOMO amongst parents and children. And let's not do you know crazy stuff that many companies do these days. Let's just keep it honest and real and uh, form a global community that helps each other. But... I, I don't want to run around people, uh, you know, uh, uh, to either advertise here or around investors. At least I don't want to be dependent on them to raise. So I said, okay, what business model makes sense when you have a very high degree of trust across thousands of people? So subscription emerged as the obvious business model. But all of these things, so by the way, today Network Capital is a massively profitable software company. Massively which has spent zero on advertising, taken zero uh, investing uh, capital from, uh, from anybody and built it entirely by the community for the community. All right. So the measure of success is, is and will always be, can we enable people to really democratize career intelligence? Can we be there every time somebody thinks of career? So a lot of software speak would be a full stack, high trust career company, a full, you know, or a Netflix for careers. Um, Another version of it is what I said, but essentially you're solving the career intelligence problem, which is very low. So artificial intelligence is something that, you know, entrepreneurs and VCs say every two words these days, every two sentences. But I thought that career intelligence also should be spoken about. And uh, which is why network capital exists to democratize it. Great. I mean, like that goes to testify what the power of community can do because uh, without, as you mentioned, any advertising budget, any capital from any external source, there has been such magnified effects in terms of the value proposition, in terms of the intent and in terms of the community that you've built that it is absolutely great to understand how you've gone about the process. Uh, As we kind of conclude, uh, Utkarsh, uh, can you dwell uh, a bit upon how to actually go about this entire process of a product development, if I may put it in technical terms? So if you had to give us a framework as to, you know, how to go about it for a generalized uh, case, uh, what would your ideas be? 
as I said, I started it as a passion project. Um, you know, barely uh, a, a couple of years into Microsoft. So it's as, as a passion project, it was designed to help 100 people, maybe 1,000. It, it didn't strike me that one day it will become a full-time institution. But once I started getting an inkling that it may be become, it might become my full-time occupation one day, then I started thinking about what made sense. So in fact, um, uh, Facebook had selected, initially Network Capital was a lot on Facebook, had selected us amongst the top 50 groups globally in terms of engagement and also had given us a very unique subscription-based feature. And uh, in fact, I had gone to them and, uh, uh, you know, in a casual conversation, just mentioned that, you know, you, groups should have subscription because advertising as a model, I'm not sure how ethical it is for get profitable. Like for me, ethics matter a lot. So I said, I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't believe in FOMO-based selling of anything. So, I mean, lo and behold, we did become uh, a subscribed um, group. And then the product came from the community, as I was explaining. So I realized that uh, why be dependent on any third party when you can build off of your own? And uh, I absolutely love Microsoft Cloud and I've seen and worked on Microsoft Cloud. I thought it would be amazing to actually host our content on you know, trusted cloud providers and trusted technologies such as that. And uh, Facebook also continues to be a great support. So I would say that uh, at least for business content community businesses such as ours, build your own platform when you have a very strong idea of what you're building and when you have taken enough feedback from people. Do you know how many people I've spoken to one-on-one -on -one for Network Capital? Take a guess. Pre-COVID, I used to travel to a different country every month, sometimes two countries a month for talks. And when I would go for talks, I mean, my last talk was in Cairo. I basically sit for eight, nine hours in one hotel uh, in, in a coffee shop and people keep coming because network capital people are there everywhere. And I keep speaking with them. This is how, I mean, after hundreds and thousands of uh, feedback collected from different points, I had a strong sense, okay, this is what it should look like. And then we built it on our terms because, you know, like we were not, we will not, we were not never in a position that, oh, we don't have money to build the product or we don't have money to do it because the, uh, the, the revenue model, the business model, et cetera, had been found. So my advice to every community-based company is to find, um, uh, find something that works, get a sense from the community that uh, what, what's the feedback like. And, um, when you launch or when we launched uh, networkcapital.tv, people were not surprised because their user experience didn't change at all. It just became better. So the algorithm that we've built for people, like just like you, the way you say you're watching a Netflix show, uh, you say get pointed from House of Cards to another. On Network Capital TV, you get pointed from say a product management masterclass to uh, say a tech MBA, you know, based on a few criteria. So this algorithm uh, designing that is something that happens at the back end. For the user, the experience becomes better, but it's not fundamentally different. So, uh, you know, shock the user less. I, I love Elizabeth Gilbert's uh, mental model for great writing, which is surprise plus inevitability. 
And I think that is true for products as well. Surprise plus inevitability. When people are positively surprised, oh, this is cool. And it also seems inevitable. Oh, um, it was bound to happen. I'm glad it's here. So I like that. You know, look, I, I don't want to sound like, uh, you know, I've arrived or I've done something crazy and like, you know, I'm a very big shot entrepreneur. I'm not. I'm somebody who loves what he does and uh, has a few you know, nuggets of uh, experiences that I've shared here. If it works for you, wonderful. If it doesn't work, there are, there are many other examples on uh, Jivraj's podcast. They can listen to them or otherwise. No, I mean, you're being very kind and modest there, but because I'm sure like the hotshot word in and of itself is too extra, but what you've built as an ecosystem is extremely commendable, extremely helpful and adds extreme value to the ecosystem. And when I talk about the episode, uh, we've not ended and there have been so many anecdotes that you've presented along with so many of your personal stories that have uh, given me so much already. So I'm sure it's going to add a lot of value to everybody who's listening right now. So cheers to that, Utkarsh. Uh, and as you leave us, uh, it'll be great to know that we've spoken about some quantitative stuff and some technical stuff. But if you had to summarize three learnings from your entrepreneurial journey that you could give back and uh, maybe some of us can take inspiration from, what would they be? And as you mentioned that you're an avid reader, so it'll be great if you could leave our audience with three favorites uh, that you want our audience to definitely read. Uh, so thank you for that and really looking forward to your answer for this one. <laughs> so basically, Jivraj, I, um, I keep asking myself, why, why should this exist or why should I do this? Right? Because I told you external metrics mean very little to me. Um, I could not care less about what others think of me or what somebody else has an opinion of me. I do have a very strong uh, idea of... Uh, um, you know, self-respect, which is what is your, your relationship with your own self? Like, how do you like view yourself? Do your community members, are they learning from you and so forth? So I spend about a third of my day or a fourth of my day, 25% uh, of my day learning and thinking and learning is equal to reading plus thinking plus listening plus doing all of that. So that is something that I've been doing for, uh, for many years now. All right. So this habit uh, essentially is compounded into lots and lots of knowledge. So, uh, I mean, I have a column with Harvard Business Review and Mint. So basically I have to write every week for a newspaper. So it's not that I, I don't read like write at the night. This like this thinking needs to be going on for a while. But it has also helped me in the business big time. So, for example, when you asked me that failure question, I was tired of listening to silly answers, right? Invocations of quote, which are not even Einstein's uh, when it comes to answers like that. So I said, okay, what is the real answer? Let's dive into data. And I know that because, you know, reading or somewhere somebody nudged me to. So I have benefited tremendously from reading, thinking, listening, and, you know, like doing all of that. Um, I encourage people to try it out. It is helpful. And uh, it was validated also when I, you know, sort of uh, had coffee with the CEO of Spotify. Uh, you know, it was just a serendipitous encounter. And he was explaining that one thing that he wished a lot of leaders would do more is that uh, spend time in independent first principle thinking. And I think it's such an important lesson. I mean, how much will you tweet? Like, how much will you like, you know, like do all of that? 
that should like that cannot be the substitute of say sitting quietly and reading Proust or uh, or you know Dostoevsky or uh, you know like uh, you know Benjamin Graham's book. There is really no substitute for that. I want people to spend a lot of time on on things like that, and I do that it helps me. Um, in terms of you know lessons, I think I briefly talked about it. If you're building community centric things, it helps to know your community intimately. and it helps to be an anthropologist and an entrepreneur so an anthropologist is excellent at say studying a tribe like understanding what the tribe or where that person's coming from and an entrepreneur uh, is a is a person who essentially raises productivity levels i don't know if you if you know but uh, the word entrepreneur is comes from a, a french economist in 1800 and it is defined as somebody who lifts productivity uh or lift uh, you know lifts work from being a low productivity outcome to a high productivity outcome um this is not exactly his his phrase but uh, i think that's the idea that he was communicating so i would say that uh, it really helps to be a combination of this anthropologist plus an entrepreneur it's definitely something that i identify as as and it can't helps me become my category of one i don't know too many entrepreneurs who describe themselves as that but i take uh, it it means a lot that i can try and be both um and third is that uh, when you're building your category of one enable others to build their category of one as well avoid or you know like try and not go down the path that uh, you know i will only win when the other person loses and when you find yourself intimidated by someone or when you find yourself um you know uninspired by someone you should just leave because i told you it starts with self respect never ever 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 complicate your relationship with yourself that is a recipe of an unfulfilled life no amount of zeros and you know ones will ever compensate uh, in your bank account if you don't have a healthy relationship with yourself So if you if any of these things ever happen leave and don't look back I mean uh, I would say that build something that you enjoy that gives you meaning everything else let it be a byproduct That's been incredible to hear uh, if we can have the three books from you the book recommendations and if I may emphasis on the first principle thought process uh, I'm sure hmm. a lot of people are aware about it but I was very honestly very recently made aware when I was actually listening to Reed Hastings and how he built the culture at Netflix and how it's ingrained hmm. in the system and uh, when hmm. I youtubed it up and the only things you could find were Uh, how Elon Musk defines it, or you know the fancy ways. But in the Indian setting, like it'd be very interesting to understand how you think Indian entrepreneurs can approach the first principles uh, thinking process, and how it can be ingrained in the system. And the three books, of course. Yeah. Um, so I feel that um, first principles thinking is is an acquired skill that needs to start in school. so as i was sharing earlier with you that network capital is a partner of government of india's uh, atal innovation mission run by niti ayog and as part of that we bridge the boardroom classroom divide like we try and help and train mentors to go to classrooms and the whole idea premise of that is that these mentors are designed to work on technical things together with the kids but uh, 
our deeper philosophy is that they will go and share practical insights from what they're learning at work to classrooms. First principle thinking is actually encouraging the students to ask a deeper question, not just what you did, but at, an, at a very, very, very basic level, if you were to remove all assumptions, what remains? This is not something that students are taught. Um, I, I went to a, a, a really great high school in India um, and I have really fond memories from the school, but even a school like that uh, didn't really have a course on first principles thinking and uh, it, it didn't introduce students to that. Why? Because uh, um, I believe that the board examination or whatever else uh, test, these things are not tested and these things are something that uh, people need to build uh, themselves. And there is no substitute for that. It's very difficult to come up with original ideas if all your ideas are borrowed. If all that you know is all the tweets that you read, then when are you thinking? When are you, you know, working? And when are you doing diving deep? All of us do that. I do that as well. It's not that, you know, like I have arrived and I have overcome all challenges. I'm just saying that one should be careful of not going down that rabbit hole because it comes at the cost of originality. So first principle thinking is remove all assumptions, whatever else remains is a principle. And how you use these principles to make decisions on a day-to-day -day basis is what you call a mental model. And how you learn to apply mental model to different entrepreneurial uh, situations or life situations is essentially called smartness or wisdom. Um, so I think this is uh, the edifice uh, on which people should uh, be trained to think. The book recommendations, yeah, I'm not sure if too many people in India read Proust or Dostoevsky or Tolstoy, but I personally have learned so much from, you know, from great novelists and storytellers. But uh, I would say that um, I absolutely love uh, uh, Hamlet. To be or not to be is also such a, a startup-y question. And I think entrepreneurs should ask themselves this question a lot. I, I'm an actor, so I've done a lot of theater on Hamlet and a spoof of Hamlet, um, one of my favorites. I have come to really enjoy Proust, although it has nothing to do with entrepreneurship directly. But uh, I just enjoy how somebody can immerse himself in a very particular kind of writing and enjoy it. Um, and I have, uh, I have really enjoyed and learned a lot from um, Peter Thiel's uh, book as well, Zero to One. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's very easy to read book, but it's, it's just something that I found quite interesting. My third answer is uh, fairly pedestrian, but because everyone knows of it. But I, I recommend that even if you read it, you keep coming back to it because it has these little nuggets of wisdom here and there, which I find quite interesting. So I would say Shakespeare, Proust, and uh, Thiel. Wonderful. I'd add a fourth to the list, which is the significant illusion of uh, hard work, which is by you. <laughs> I would really recommend Well, I, hope, I do hope uh, that all your listeners um, enjoy it very much. Absolutely. That is... <clears throat> That is wonderful. I must say that, you know, Utkarsh, you've, just, you've not just given us a conversation or insights, you've given us frameworks, you've given us 
content in terms of what we can consume and what we should consume. You've given us models, you've given us wisdom, you've given us the power of intent and you've given us how we can add value. So with that, I would like to thank you for taking our time for this Utkarsh. Thank you so much Utkarsh for joining me today. It's my pleasure, Jivraj. Thank you. Have a nice day. So that was Mr. Utkarsh Amitab talking about the power of community building, a framework towards it, networking, and much, much more. With such great things having been mentioned across the episode, it would only be fitting to go over some of them real quick. 1. Think big, act small. When starting out, be very sure about the problem you are solving. Find your category of 1. Find your first 1000. Make something 1000 people absolutely love and want. The rest will follow. 2. Be unique in your approach. Steer away for competition. It is but for losers. 3. Energy, Clarity, Empathy The three fundamental design principles network capital is based upon. 4. Remember, you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. 5. Approach networking with the viewpoint of adding value. Be genuine in your approach and things will organically follow. Be the person people want to connect with. 6. Some really great thoughts mentioned by Utkarsh in one go would be the fail forward strategy. Remember, the difference between your failures and successes is the number of times you're willing to try. Pleasure is pursuit and pursuit is pleasure. Failure plus reflection equal to progress. Think win-win, not win-lose. Finally, Utkash mentions that as a leader, an entrepreneur, a professional, never be too busy to spend quality time in learning, growing, an independent first principle thought process. That was it from episode 9 of the Indian Silicon Valley podcast. This episode was brought to you in association with the Innovation and Entrepreneurship Cell, SOA, deemed to be university. I'm Jivraj Singh Sachar, your host, and I thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out and I'd be happy to answer. As you know and must have heard before, feedback plays a very important role for me, so please feel free to get in touch about the same or drop in a review if you're tuning in from Apple Podcasts. Also, if you didn't already know, the podcast now has a WhatsApp feature which allows you to directly get the weekly updates on your WhatsApp inbox. It's pretty amazing and if you find it worthy, you can access it via the link in the description or you can simply text us at 96744-52959. For today's goodbye recommendation, I would like to recommend a Netflix show I recently watched, The Playbook, A Coach's Rule for Life, and I simply love it. It is amazing in its entirety. Do watch it and I can assure you that you shall not regret it. With that, 
I would like to thank you again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I will see you next week for another episode. Till then, stay safe, stay kind, stay tuned and keep building.